0: You're listening to the Jay and Dan Podcast. Brought to you by
1: our friends at McDonald's.
0: Dance. Dance. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the Jay and Dan Podcast. Brought to you by our friends at McDonald's for Monday, July the 13th, twenty twenty. Oh, what a summer it's been. What a year it's been. You know that uh, stuff? Did you see the Will Smith, Jada Pinkett Smith uh, red table talk over the weekend? Uh, quite uh, a fiasco, and, yes. And, and, and you know the, the face that everyone was posting, the gif of Will, just the look, right? And everyone yeah. was like, that's that's 2020 in a nutshell, right? That The look of Will Smith's face as his wife tells him, in detail about an affair she had with a 20-something R&B star. Just what he wants to hear. Just what he wants to hear. And why did he subject himself to that? He's a gigantic movie star. He doesn't have to put up with that. D-t. That was just, wow. All I can say is, wow. That's all I can say, Christoph. Crazy times. All I can say is, wow, Um, It was a wonderful weekend, beautiful weekend in the city A little bit of rain, but we can can handle that. We needed it after the week we had. And uh, we are thrilled, ladies and gentlemen. We've got two amazing guests on the podcast this week. Jonathan Torrens, our old friend, will join us in just a moment. But first, we are extremely excited to be speaking to our good friend and colleague, a man I've been uh, happy to say that I've been working with, but not next to for the last, I don't know, John Liu, how long have you been working at TSN? We have him there, but we don't... What's going on, Stop?
2: I'm not sure. I think he's connected. Um... Help me out. I think... Oh,
1: I had the buttons reversed, guys. So sorry, uh, you know...
2: I can't see him anymore. I could
0: see him before, though. Oh, well... You guys were both up on my screen. Damn you, Skype. Try this is not again,
1: making man. for good, Pod, I tell you. Like I me. think it's
0: make I think it's made for grape pot this pot. Stop will cut this together into something very, very beautiful. Yes! I see him now. Yes. Three
1: times Excellent. is a charm. I had to hit oh, it three beautiful. times.
0: And now, John, uh, is that a, a green wall behind you? Is that a green it, it wall? It is.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a, I don't know what shade you'd call it, kind of like a soft lime. <laughs> uh, I, I did a, I did a podcast uh, via Skype with um, w- with some uh, Habs podcaster, and they said, oh, you can green screen that, can't you? I said, well, <laughs> yeah. it's not quite the right shade of green, but eh, you could try. You could maybe have some fun backgrounds there, you know, put me someplace like, oh, I don't know, this time of year. It's really hot right now, so actually I, I wouldn't mind visiting the penguins in our, Antarctica because it's probably not quite so hot there. Although, you know what
0: I would I would do John I would put um an image of Raphael the guy who broke into Habs practice <laughs> that one time I would have him behind you skating in to take a shot on Jose Theodore that would be my choice for your for your green screen background.
1: You know what I wouldn't mind being in a rink right now it would be nice and cool I I I'm sorry I keep talking about the same theme but man it's like I know it's the same weather in Toronto as it has been in the Montreal area it's been a smoky one, so yeah, we uh, uh, shouldn't complain because we'll have winter soon enough, right?
0: Well, this is my neighbor who says it all the time to me. She, she's from Chile, and she always mm. says, man, yeah, I better never hear you complain about the weather no matter how humid it gets. And you're right, John, it has become very humid here. And you lived here before. I want to go back. I want to start at the beginning, John, your career. Um, first of all, the look continues to be sensational. Oh, thank uh, we're going to get to the mustache. We're going to get to the beautiful flowing hair. We're going to get to the beautiful suits in a second. But I want to go back a little bit. You are a Winnipeg guy, isn't that right?
1: I am. Yes, we have that connection, Jay. As you were the uh, an A Channel uh, employee in in the Peg many many moons ago. But yes. uh, yeah, Winnipeg. Uh, well, I I was born in Vancouver, but my family moved there to Winnipeg when I was young. So uh, I consider Winnipeg my hometown. Grew up there, went to university there, went to college, journalism college there. And, and to this day, even though I've, uh, I've been away from the peg for over 20 years now with TSN, uh, I still consider Winnipeg home.
0: How nice was it? What an amazing feeling it must have been for you as someone who is uh, raised in the city when the Jets came back uh, all those years ago. It seems like it, seems like it was uh, 20 years ago since they've been back, but it hasn't been quite that long
1: uh nine nine though jay and because we just passed the ninth anniversary the you know tsn my the bosses were they were I, i'm so grateful to them that they sent me to winnipeg for the first draft when when winnipeg made mark shifley their first draft choice and i'll never forget that because he a lot of the fans at the mts center um when shifley was chosen were like huh you know, there was this, <laughs> like this this tangible ripple through the crowd. They were like, "Huh?" Because so many of the the fans were um, were really hyped up on Ryan Strom and Mika Zibanejad from YouTube videos that they'd seen of them, like their super high skill level. A lot of people in the Peg hadn't heard of Mark Shifley, but the fact that uh, that the uh, the honorary Winnipegger and fine alumnus and Hall of Famer Dale Howard was his coach and. Yeah truly endorse that choice it's turned out to be a fantastic ending so the very first choice in the Jets 2.0 history being Mark Scheifele worked out really well and I was there on the floor when uh when when the when the draft to, the draft party was taking place at the MTS Center
0: and I remember if I recall correctly maybe the draft itself was in St. Paul or something like I that. Believe
1: I believe you're remember. right yeah yeah and yeah. I,
0: I just remember that Mark Chipman I believe or maybe it was Chevel Dayoff made the kick, but it was the fact that they had not officially—and again, I might be a little shady on the details—had not officially confirmed the Jets' nickname. They right. they were very they were hesitant to go to it, and obviously the fans and I made a big deal about it on the show constantly. I really made us think about it because I just knew they had to do it. They had to go back to Jets. It would, nothing else would have done done justice to the franchise. And the fact that I think it was Shovel off yeah, who just came out and said this is the first pick of the Winnipeg Jets. And I think there were fans because it's an easy drive down there, right? I think there were fans in the crowd. Yeah. They were like, yes, yes, <laughs> we succumbed to the pressure, the pressure yeah. for the fan base, which was great. Which was One great. of the
1: great Freudian slips of all time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. So, and then you, you did some time in Toronto. That's where I first met you in Toronto. Yep. Were you, was it Winnipeg right to Toronto? Is that how Correct. the journey went?
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I uh uh I got hired by TSN um while I was in my second year of journalism college. Uh wow. I was I was uh awarded an internship uh in the best program in in the in the TSN newsroom, but prior to that, um I had actually done a very brief stint at CTV Winnipeg, which was called CKY at the time as you would recall. Uh yes. they actually uh uh over the Christmas New Year's break leading into Y2K Um, I got hired to do while I was a student, I got hired to do a two week stint uh, reporting for the CKY newscast. And from that, they hired me. And so I was doing part time news reporting on the weekends and going to classes during the week. But wow. Before that all happened, I had been awarded the TSN internship. And so my employers at CKY, they were like, yeah, go, you know, like, go have a great experience in Toronto. And I was like, yes, thank you. Yeah, I'll, I'll see you in a month. And, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and as the story goes, I was told after I got hired at TSN, uh, the news director and the assignment editor in the CKY newsroom were saying, he's not coming back. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, exactly. and it was exactly. it was so flattering because I went to Toronto without any intention of applying for a job i just wanted to go do my internship have a great experience have some fun in the big city and um then go back and finish my program and graduate but the road uh, takes funny turns sometimes and yeah out of the at the end of my internship um uh i got hired <laughs> and uh, and that's a whole long story in and of itself maybe i'll save that to the next time i'm on your pod jay but uh um yeah so that was that was uh January excuse me February of 2000 and a month after that March of 2000 I came back and I've never looked back
0: and you so you were the uh, got the best internship I'm going to tell you a quick story I was the very first recipient of the best internship in 1996 and I was an intern alongside a young producer tim producer tim and i were the (laughs) two interns in the newsroom uh and we were in they had a a hockey pool going in the newsroom and we looked at each other we're like all right let's pair up so our (laughs) our hockey pool nickname our name for our team was the interns so we were not creative at that point our creativity had not sort of flourished at that point but yeah the best internship very, very exciting to get into that newsroom right and just after you 've been watching tsN your whole your whole life and then yeah. just to get into that newsroom, see those familiar faces must have been incredible
1: for you oh yeah i 'll never forget my first day um, as an intern uh, sitting in the reception area, and this was in the old building on Shepherd Avenue in yes. uh, just just west of scarborough um, and uh,
3: Willowdale
1: up, yes Willowdale, yeah. Um, yeah and I was sitting in the reception area waiting to to uh, To be led into the newsroom, and Jim Van Horn walked by, and I was like, "Wow, that's Jim Van Horn!" And uh, yeah, it was it was a moment. Uh, I mean, in my in my late teens, early uh, early twenties, watching Jim, the the stash, you know, the, yeah. the commanding voice and presence on the six thirty. At that time, it was six thirty uh, Sports Center or uh, Sports Desk, rather. Um, right. It was so amazing, but I mean, then meeting Gino Retta and uh, uh, James Dutty, I think was just starting at that time. But also Rod Smith and uh, and Dutchy, uh, Dutchy and Smith uh, were the uh, the ten o'clock show. Uh, they had that great promo. Uh, uh, what did what they Rod call
0: like the- Rodski and Dutch?
1: Thank you. Yes, the the, the <laughs> Starsky and Hutch uh, uh, um, take off of Starsky and Hutch, and so yeah, meeting. I, although I didn't really do too many evening shifts, uh, just seeing them at work, was that was such a thrill. And so all these years later, sometimes I still have to kind of pinch myself. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm colleagues with these guys. You know, we're friends. We're colleagues. And we've been together people, for a lot of years.
0: People are looking at you that way now, John, when they come into – when they're in a scrum in Montreal and they're a fresh young journalism face and they see you there and they're like, oh, I better ask a sensible question here. John's going to take me aside after and tell me to not talk. <laughs> Is it like a scrum? In a, I always hear about scrums um, in different markets and, um, you know, like Edmonton, for example, the guys always tell me, okay, Terry Jones and Jim Matheson, they talk first, right? Like they've been there the longest, they've been there forever you uh, just out of respect is it sort of like that in Montreal John or is it just a free for all
1: it's it 's kind of a free for all actually um it's uh we have a very um even though Montreal is a very intense and competitive media market, we have a very um cooperative and respectful group who are on the beat here and um yeah so it you don 't tend to have guys jumping or stepping on each other's questions uh it's it's very very um very civilized very cordial actually which may sound or may come as a surprise to people who have this perception of you know the two solitudes the english and the french in montreal and um uh, you know just how how crazy this market can be uh just how hard the media can be on, especially the Montreal Canadians, but no, we actually get along really well. And it's funny because when you talk about Scrums, Jay, and I don't know when we'll ever get back into a dressing room to (laughs) take part in Scrums, but Kerry Price um has kind of created uh, I I don't want to say that he's trained us, but we've we've developed this uh détente um where with Kerry Price, he he used to put he stand in front of his locker and he put his goal pads in front of his legs. And he would always wear shorts, uh, workout shorts when he'd come out to meet us at, for his scrums. And so he'd stand there with his goal pads in front of him, almost like this little barrier. And he always commands the largest scrums, right? And so what's happened over the years, I'd say it's probably been this way for about three or four seasons. The scrums have at, have actually gotten larger and created this very wide semicircle around Price as opposed to if you go into um, a dressing room, especially in the States, like I think Philadelphia comes to mind immediately, where in Philly, um, the scrums actually form a circle around players who stand in the middle of the dressing rooms. Right. Really tight, like real co- close quarters. And it's it's really very, um, it's not conducive to getting good shots. Although for you guys, it's gold for scrum lurkers.
3: Exactly. Because you have
1: a 360. Of, of lurkers behind the, this interview subject. But you'll never that see that with Price. It's like we're almost standing, you know, it's almost like he has the plague, or no, we've we've invented this social distancing scrum with right. with, with Price for the last three, four years. And so it's a really interesting phenomenon, and it's actually transferred to the other player's that tend to get big crowds around them like uh, like Brendan Gallagher and Shea Weber. And so, yeah. So to answer your question, um, no, it's 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 a very respectful market here in Montreal, at least in the, within the community of beat uh, beat reporters.
3: It's
0: funny you bring up Philadelphia because we uh, we have been told that the Philadelphia beat guys uh, like Scrum Lurkers for the most. <laughs> Part and I think it's because yeah because of what you just said they're in it the most like they're yeah. always giving us a ton of great material and of course our own Frank Saravalli, who uh, who lives in Philadelphia and works for us for TSN uh, we like to sneak him in whenever we get an opportunity so yeah we, we I'm not sure about that segment though John if that's going to survive the the coronavirus it, it might not make it anymore
1: I know that would be uh one of the one of the tragedies one of the the the, the most keenly felt casualties of the pandemic, if that does happen, to, if that comes to pass. But honestly, I, 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 I honestly cannot imagine when we'll actually get back into the dressing rooms unless there's a, a vaccine that is widely tested and very reliable and safe. Uh, because right now we're doing everything by Zoom. Even today, first day of training camp, by Zoom, we are not in the dressing wow. rooms. We're not, we're not even allowed in the, in the rink area. We're watching where the fans normally watch up top outside uh the actual boundaries of the rink so it's that's the way it's going to be for a while how do you
0: what's your perception of how the players i feel like Kerry price you know you brought him up it seemed like there was some apprehension in his voice uh, maybe a week or so ago he was speaking about it um what's your take on maybe starting with carrie how how the players are feeling on on that team you've been covering for so long
1: um, to be honest with you, Jay, um, I can't say with any certainty what the general feeling amongst the roster has been with respect to the, um, uh, to the prospect of a bubble, um, of being away from their families for potentially five weeks or even, or longer if they, if they manage to get past the Penguins. But uh, Philip Dano, probably a month and a half ago, maybe two months, it's hard to even estimate anymore, he expressed uh, hesitation. Uh, I believe the word he used was inhumane. Um, wow. Uh, for for families to be separated as long as they could be potentially that long. Uh, and Kerry Price, when he spoke to us um, just before he came back to Montreal, he left on June 29th. Left Washington State on June 29th. So it would have been late June. I believe it was the 23rd. So we're going on about three weeks since Price spoke to us, and at that time. The way he was talking, um, the reaction from the fan base was that a lot of people thought that like Price seems to be softening the blow when he says that he's not gonna he's not gonna that he could opt out, right? Wow. Yeah. Well, but that was the that was what people were reading into it because he said that he had questions that he wanted answered, uh, didn't specify those questions upon follow up. Um, Probably had to do with primarily with safety measures. Uh, he wanted to ensure that the players and staff were going to be safeguarded against a potential infection, uh, probably questions about the CBA, uh, because that was happening concurrently along with the, the return to play discussions. Yeah. And just the way he was talking about um, family, especially since his wife Angela is expecting their third child, um, Price, he, he, it's really fascinating to have watched Price. I mean, I, I moved to Montreal in his rookie season, so I've literally watched him grow up, you know, his entire career here in, in Montreal. And he's really become this very um, uh, just incredibly solid, loving, and devoted family man. And so when he was talking about uh, his, his concerns about being uh, apart from his wife and kids – you really sense that there was there was a lot of authenticity with what he was saying, and and I think that also caused people to believe that he was having second thoughts about uh, about participating. But at the same time, he was asked about two thousand and ten, the Canadians playoff run when Yaroslav Halak seized the reins and took the Canadians all the way to the conference final, and Price acknowledged that that was one of the great regrets slash Missed opportunities in his career, yeah. and so at his age now, um, he turns thirty-three this August. Um, he knows, and he's admitted it um, publicly that his opportunities are running out. That yeah. uh, that he's the window is closing, as he's as he's put it. And so, any chance that he can get to be in the postseason, forget about it being a play-in. Just the postseason yeah. period. It's he he knows that. He has the potential to be the difference maker. And uh, so that opportunity, he's not going to pass up that opportunity, but in his heart of hearts, he's going to miss his family terribly. I think
0: they all are. And and you brought up something that has been talked about a lot with your fan base, which is the fact that were the Montreal Canadiens not able to get past the Pittsburgh Penguins in that play-in round, they would have an excellent opportunity at alexi lafreniere and i ask you this question as someone who's covered the team and been around that city for a long time now deep down what does that fan base really want do they want uh do they do they really want to beat the penguins or do they want 15 years of alexi lafreniere in montreal (laughs)
1: I, I, I don't have a scientific poll, Jay. I can only go just gleaned on, on stuff that I've seen on social media, replies to tweets that I've made. But I really get the sense that there's a greater proportion of the fan base that want the Canadians to 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 lose to the Penguins because right. they want that 12.5% chance at Alexis Lafreniere. Because yeah. to them, it's like he would... It, it, I mean, it, it, you know, they would have been, th- they would be thrilled. Let's say hypothetically the Canadians win first overall, but pick another year, they would have been thrilled right. to get Rasmus Sandin. They would have been thrilled to get Tyler Sagan. But this Lafreniere would be other level because he's yeah. from here, and he's he's French. He's uh, he has an engaging personality. He's an incredible player and he'd be like you said a 15-year asset maybe longer oh, and yeah and and the thing too is that he could be a game changer for them simply because this team needs um high super high-end talent on the offensive side um i mean they they need help in certain other areas too but certainly uh in today's nhl you need speed skill you need goal scoring possible uh, potential and you know they, they started to to address that but not at a rapid pace because they have a hard time attracting top end free agents here so if they had the well if they if they did lose that play-in round and and managed to win the draft lottery then there would be celebrating in the streets on a level that (laughs) i wouldn't say stanley cup uh stanley cup parade that type of celebration and Granted, uh, there aren't as many people in the streets of Montreal these days, but uh, sure. yeah, there would be spillover. There would be celebrating on a, a significant level. I'd probably go with my cameraman downtown, like to Saint Catharines, where they've held uh, where they've held the Stanley Cup parades in the past. Just pull the camera out and see, like, what yeah. kind of reaction there would be. Um, uh, because uh, yeah, it would be um, it would be something to behold.
0: It would be exciting. I can't believe this. We're almost out of time, John, but I have to ask you about the mustache. Okay. Just the overall the overall COVID look. Uh, did the mustache come deliberately? Have you had a mustache? Because I haven't seen you with a mustache before, and I got to tell you, and this is coming from a lot of different people, including uh, my wife, who you know. My uh, wife. Everyone is loving this look and feels like a lot of people had COVID looks that were not so good. <laughs> and you, my friend, have won the lockdown. You've won the lockdown. Was the mustache a deliberate thing?
1: Well, first of all, thank you, Jay. Uh, but uh, secondly, it, it just sort of happened because, you know, there were a lot of days where we where I wasn't doing anything on camera slash Skype. And the fuzz was growing in. It started looking like the Sidney Crosby rookie mustache at the beginning. <laughs> and uh, so it was pretty sad. Uh, but, you know what, it just it kind of kept going. And my appearances on air, so to speak, were very sporadic. And so I thought, ah, you know what? Let's just let this grow. If if anybody notices it that doesn't like it in the executive offices, okay, the 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 the, the razor comes out. But nobody said anything. And so it kind of reached critical mass uh, after about a month or so and it stayed and people seem to really like it. So uh I think that's yeah that's that's something else that's going to survive the pandemic is my stash.
0: I love it. And if they if the Habs do make a deep playoff run. You know they're going to give a lot of... I saw Shea Weber today already has this <laughs> amazing beard, right? And he's Render, already sing out. It's beautiful. And he's going to take it right through... You got to do the same thing for these guys because uh you are kind of part of the team John you know like that Yeah uh, well
1: thing. I'm the I'm the them of the us and them <laughs> and, and, so and that's the way it should be right Yeah um, yes. but um, yeah but to be honest Jay you know hey the A- Asian jeans and and Chobi will tell you the same thing too what you see is not going to fill in very much so again <laughs> I say critical mass that's probably about where it is and uh where it's going to stay but as long as people enjoy it um yeah, I think, uh, I think I'll keep it.
0: Well, we enjoy you. Thank you. It was a pleasure to finally get to get you on here, John. And, uh and we just love working with you all these years and appreciate your, um, your sense of humor about, uh, about everything. I think <laughs> we have a very good levity about the whole business and, and everything. And, and we really appreciate that. And we are uh, proud to call you a colleague. So uh, oh, thank oh. you, my friend. And, and, and by the way, and, and, you know, good luck over the next few months because I know it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a lot of stress for you. It's so different. Um, so wishing you the best of luck covering this team over the next little while.
1: Thank you so much. And and I really appreciate you inviting me out of the pod, Jay. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we can do this soon again. And, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been fun.
0: That's awesome. Thanks, John. Have a good night.
1: You too. Thank you.
0: And that is John Lou, my good friend from Montreal via Winnipeg just winnipeg people stuff are just great people just salt of the earth you know i've been saying this for years and it just doesn't surprise me one bit that john uh was raised in that city that's interesting because he came to tsn when i was actually in winnipeg i just realized that now so he came to tsn in 2000 i was in i was in winnipeg from 1999 to 2001 just two years it seems like I was there for 10 years, not in a bad way, like a good way, because I just met people and had such a terrific time doing that show. Um, I could still do it now. Stop. I could do that breakfast show tomorrow. I could wake up tomorrow in Winnipeg and I'd know what I was doing. That's how, that's how, um, how much I enjoyed doing it, how much I enjoyed being on camera in that city. And, uh, and the best part was when you host a morning show in a city like that, you have the fire chief on. You have the mayor on. You have the police chief on. You have all the restaurateurs on. You have all the bands on. Within about six months, I knew the entire city. So maybe that made it a little uh, more exciting for me as well. Um, so we had John Lou on the podcast, and uh, and we were excited to have him on. And we wanted to have uh, we last week said we wanted to send it out to you guys, ask you who you wanted to be on the. What's podcast. What's going on, Big Nuts? And one of the one of the guys that was mentioned was this gentleman uh jonathan torrens just a beautiful specimen from atlantic canada uh gorgeous flowing hair now you this isn't necessarily lockdown hair you've been rocking this sort of semi hagar circa
2: ou812 van halen look for a while you know what my wife really likes me farm-sized and she likes <laughs> me with long fabio flowing locks
0: she doesn't want looked-
2: skinny jeans. If you're wearing skinny jeans, you can't get under a tractor and help.
0: Yes, right? that's true. Yes, Farm size, so long true. hair.
2: I have a farmer's tan, left arm's darker from hanging out the truck window. Love so it. I roll. Speaking of trucks, we need to get right into this. You,
0: I saw, I believe it's on the Taggart and Torrance Instagram page, a picture of your new truck, which is not a new truck. But, man, I am jealous because that's something I would love to have. Tell me all about your
2: brand-new acquisition. We were both built in 72. Wow. It's a Ford. 72 Ford? Yeah, it's actually oh. called a Ranger, believe it or not. And if you're a truck person, you will be surprised to learn that it's an F-250. So this is called the Ranger Camper Edition. It was one of the first trucks that you could actually drop that, you know, the greasy camper right in the back of it.
0: Absolutely,
2: brother. Yeah. And the bumpers right the even there. dropped down so that you can use that as a step. I might be able to show you. Can I try? Yeah, let let's do it. Do it. Let I'm on really the internet booster. This is a work from Fantastic. home. I have a sat truck in my field. Look at this beautiful there's a field. There's the studio, because that's my side hustle. And I don't know if you can see. You might have to squint.
0: I can but see it there, her. John. Yeah. There
2: she is. It's, it's right right in front front of Ford. Your Tesla. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like witness. You're living the witness life. It is, yeah. What was that um, movie about vampires that were pounding? They had one of Uh, those, too. Robert Pattinson,
0: you know that movie? Oh, uh, Twilight?
2: Yes. Yeah, you know the one where vampires are pounding? It was that movie.
0: (laughs) Well, hey, that's all the reference
2: I needed. I think that was the one-line pitch. That was the elevator pitch. (laughs) Okay, you're on the eighth floor. We're going to the lobby. I have 20 seconds. They're vampires, right? But they're good-looking, and they pound.
0: They They f*** each other.
2: What do you think? (laughs) Boom. Yeah, it's sold.
0: Um, buddy, uh, how are you? Do- how are you handling the uh, the pandemic?
2: How's everything going uh, out in Atlantic Canada for you, my friend? It's great. We live uh, on a dirt road just outside of Toronto, Nova Scotia, as I think you know. Um, loved having the girls home. I don't know if that was your experience, but we've always sort of toyed with the half-baked notion of homeschooling because we have a bus and we wanted to hit the road and travel <laughs> together as a family. Right. So this- way to dip our toes in the water of kind of trying that and we loved it um i don't know that that's what we'll do full time but we loved having them around we grew really close as a family and i do a lot of corporate gigs in the states like i was in vegas three and a half weeks in february and wow. i was in i think la in san diego for two and a half weeks in january so i've been road banging pretty hard and i was looking for ways to be home and this is great so all my gigs have have you heard pivoted? Have you heard that word? <laughs> yes, I have. All I my gigs have word. pivoted to become um, corporate virtual things. Yes. So I've just been hosting meetings from my field.
0: I love it, and, and that's and my at work. How old are your your girls, John?
2: They're ten and eight. So,
0: so that's interesting because my kids are five and zero. And so I, I wonder about that. You know, I, I have this debate with friends all the time. What's the perfect uh, ages of kids to have during this lockdown? And I think you might be in a sweet spot because you probably at least get to sleep in a little bit and hand the remote to the kids and tell them, go get your own cereal. Yeah.
2: Right? Daddy was up late last night. Yeah. Daddy um, had a few cocktails. I remember uh, the stage that you're in and trying to explain to anyone five and younger that you have to stay seated with your seatbelt fast until the plane is in the air. It right. requires some level of uh, toddlers being reasonable, which they are not. No. So at least at this age, you can have conversations and discussions. They can kind of share their disappointment. Um, but I think we, I think we all really dug it. We had um, FaceTime guest lecturers, like their grandfather would call and do geography and uh, oh, wow. their aunt would call and do science. So different family members, first called in and and taught different things. I was the sexy drama teacher. Um, My wife was the gorgeous principal. (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) I I was like, if Jack Tripper was brought in to teach French as a substitute, I I have so much respect for teachers. How did you guys make out? Well, we're great. We are. And and the thing is,
0: for us, like my five-year-old, I was telling someone today, uh, because she's in what we call junior kindergarten here in Ontario, and uh, two weeks in, I said, uh, you miss uh, junior kindergarten? She's like, not really. I'm like, great, we're good. So we've just plowed ahead from there. And she liked the homeschooling. She liked all that. And uh, the, and again, the, the the baby has no clue where he is from one day to the next. So he doesn't right. count. So really, it's been totally fine for us. I, I've been embarrassed to even talk about it because our, our lives haven't changed
2: at all. See? We were home with children and now we're home with children. When we were building our house, the contractor said, where do you guys want the doorbell? And my wife and I were instantly like, that decreases our chances of pretending we're not home significantly. We don't want a doorbell. So (laughs) we've been practicing for this for a long time. It's kind of cliche, but there has to be a word for the guilt that you feel around enjoying these last few months. Like it's not everyone's experience. And maybe if I had teenage boys throwing lamps around, it would be a different thing, but
3: yeah,
2: great age. Or if you weren't able to pivot, I mean, I keep feeling I'm such
0: a, a restaurant, uh, I don't want to use the word whore, but I am a restaurant whore because I love restaurants. I love restaurateurs, and I love my restaurants in my neighborhood. And I take it personally when I see uh, for rent signs going up and seeing you. all of the restaurateurs who swore they'd never get on the delivery apps now, you know, clamoring to get on there just to make ends meet, just to to make rent every month. They're not making probably any money now because you guys didn't get hit as hard out there. Um, is it are masks start? Are you starting to see masks tossed into the Atlantic Ocean like like yeah. skipping rocks? Is that what's yeah. happening?
2: Yep, yeah, like lobster and mussels, they're just washing ashore, and people are <laughs> harvesting them to make ice cream. Uh, <laughs> it's the, the Atlantic bubble is open, uh, right? It's not a perfect science, so you can now travel freely between PEI, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, and Newfoundland. Right. As a friend of mine complained to the media recently, he was flying from Halifax to Newfoundland. And when he got to the gate and got on the plane, it was half full. And he was like, who are they? Oh, those are people from Toronto on their way to Newfoundland. And he was like, well, that's not a bubble. Like, <laughs> those, those people haven't been sitting here for 14 days. Like what? Air Canada right. doesn't understand. You, know, you need to have a flight that originates in Halifax to kind of maintain the seal. So right. all things considered, the opening of the bubble, I'm sure mathematically and scientifically, will result in some more cases some folks that kind of slip through the cracks but by and large it feels like the world is opening a bit here the only drag is as you know we rely on you people to come here on vacation in the summer and you're not yes and then for you you guys like to split your
0: time are you still splitting your time in nashville a little bit so you may never see that nashville home
2: again i know i know it's true we actually sure. made a game time decision to drive our motorhome home from Florida in December. We we're going to store it there and fly back in March on March break. And we opted to drive it back for some reason, spend New oh. Year's Eve in Nashville. is was great. But imagine if it was stuck down there.
0: In Florida.
2: Yeah. This is our side <laughs> hustle. This is, um, did you see the lighthouse? What's his uh, name, the guy? No. Willem Dafoe used this motorhome in the lighthouse. And Sigourney Weaver used it for a movie last fall. So that's our wow. side hustle. But we rent it from ourselves, right?
0: Right. Yeah. Once in a while, whenever it's not being used, you guys can get in there and say, "Hey, I'm peeing where Willem Dafoe peed." Right. Yeah. That's exactly. probably not what you're. That's probably not what you're saying. Hey, you know, I think too about um, bands releasing records right now, expecting to head on tour and gain that tour revenue, and I feel terrible. And then I think of of you and yours and my good buddy Jeremy Taggart with whom you uh, collaborate on an amazing podcast, the Taggart and Torrance podcast. And you guys have now put out an album called Bonds. We hilarious. have.
3: And it's, it's,
0: it's hilarious. It's amazing. Was the intent to do a massive uh, cover the entire country
2: tour? Have you scaled that back? What, what's the, what was the plan? What's the plan now? Well, Jeremy and I are the chocolate and the peanut butter, as you know, from touring experiences. I'm used to carrying cardboard boxes out of the back of a Hyundai Elantra. He's used to being on a bus with Van Halen as a teenager. Right, Um, right. So I'm just happy to kind of be in a tiny chair at this weird table that I've never been at before. So for us, like playing our own little dates um, has been really fun. As you know, getting to tour was probably something you never imagined you would do. It was Um, a blast. It's been a treat to see how much the podcast transfers to a live environment where bots get to come up and play games and shout out things from the back of the room. So certainly that was a part of it. I would be lying to you, and I wouldn't do that if I didn't admit that part of me was low-key worried about executing these songs. Like, we brought in some heavies, like uh, Tim and Anthony from Kells and yes. Aaron Goldstein, who's a heavy-duty pedal steel player who probably plays on all the hipster records that you have. we couldn't afford to bring those guys out with us So uh, us and a um, keyboard trying to recreate some of those things because making a comedic record with 10 different genres because each of the characters had to bring a song to the record, they had to be musically sound, but they also had to be funny in a way. So it's kind of inventing 10 little universes that set sound and seemed legit. But it is cool. I mean,
0: when you and I were growing up, uh, I feel like comedy albums, and, and maybe they are still a thing, but... They were such a thing when we were growing up, I thought. Like, they were, it, I love to listen, right? And the Bob and Doug McKenzie album was like the Bible to me as a little kid. I had the actual vinyl. I used to obsess over it. And so it must have just been
2: amazing for you guys to, to put it on wax, so to speak. It was, and I didn't really understand at each step of the process what was supposed to be happening. For example, right out of the get-go, chair is used to being an OLP. They spent six months in Hawaii with Bob Rock. Nothing really came of it. We're gonna chuck it and start again. (laughs) We have $12 (laughs) and six days. So there's no margin for error. Like a lot of the vocal takes of mine are first takes that ended up on the record because they were good enough is good enough was kind of the mantra. But I think that sort of served me well because I didn't have any expectations. And uh, like right out of the get-go, Jer was like, I know you're a words guy, don't worry about words, just bring vibes to the studio. And I was like, cool, cool. <laughs> yeah, I'll just bring some vibes, you know? I just bring some vibes. Oh, and then so turning to my wife going like what 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 are vibes? Like, can I carry them on the plane or do you have to check? Like I, I don't even know, but he was right. Because it's it's wild that like any idea, you start with a boom bet, you let up, and then a boom bap, boom and then suddenly in seventeen minutes it sounds like a thing. You've got the Seinfeld theme. Doom-bap. Yeah, I couldn't remember if that was Night Court. If you want to <laughs> have fun tonight, listen to the bass line in We Didn't Start the Fire. It's outrageous. Doom-gap, doom-gap, doom-bap, 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 doom-bap. It's like, here, I brought this in as a joke, and Billy was like, lay that down, man. And that was it's not like something you last... think about when you think about this, that song, <laughs> no, but it would jump so, out at you. I'm
0: thinking, so it, it was probably some killer session basis, too, right? Like, this was like, I've always wanted to bring this. Billy's getting a little crazy. I'm getting the impression that he's going to take 20 years off after this record. I'm just well, gonna not throw to Greg, this out
2: But my friend Richard studied jazz at McGill, and his saxophonist, saxophone teacher, was brought in as a session guy on Just the Way You Are, and they're like,
1: Whoa.
2: "Play something, man." So he's like, "I Whoa. don't know." Uh, boodile dwee, boodile dwee, dee, dee, dee. Wow. Only ever got paid his one-time session fee, but oh that's the god. song.
0: Wow, that's crazy.
2: Oh yeah. my god, we got
0: to do a whole podcast about that. Now we got to wrap it up. So, do you want to play? Uh, do you want to play our game, Plot or Not? Yes, I do.
2: I prepared Let's a game it. for you called Plot or Not. It's really fun. I can't wait. Uh, how many wait. minutes do I have? Ninety seconds. I would say two minutes, three, oh, okay, three, good. Three, Then let's three, sit four? down in it. Okay. Here's how it works, it's very simple. I'll give you a Canadian show and a plot. Okay. All you have to do is guess if it was an actual plot or not.
0: Ready? I can't wait, I'm ready.
2: Heartland, you know Heartland? Yep, yep. The episode was My- called Gold, Frankincense, and More. <laughs> On a stormy Christmas Eve, when an avalanche makes the road impassable for the vet, Amy is left to deliver a miracle foal. Plot or not? I'm going to go with plot. That was not. You're zero for one, bud. (laughs) I wrote that. I said to my wife earlier, if I could do this for a living. Okay, to Danger Bay. Ready? Oh, one of my favorite shows ever. Grand Theft Whale is the title of the episode. Grant must find a gold sculpture that disappeared from the aquarium's whale exhibit during a blackout. Plot or not? Uh, That's a plot. That's a plot. You're one for one. One for two. (laughs) King of Kensington, you love this show. Oh, yes. Green-Eyed Monster. A jealous man thinks his wife is having an affair with Larry. Plot or not? You think, not no? a plot. No. That's a plot, bud. You're one for three. What? And, and you'd think
0: I'd know. Because Catwalk, look at this.
2: winner of the Gemini Award for Best Direction in a Dramatic or Comedy Series. It was called World Atlas. Remember Atlas, the guy who had hair like a curling rock? Yes, yes. When a, when a handsy promoter asks Atlas to audition for a global touring dance company, he's devastated to discover it's an all-male nude review. Plot or not? Plot. That's not. I that up. Here's the last one. It's a bonus. Breaker <laughs> High. He Shoots, He Scores was the name of the episode. Breaker High with Ryan Gosling. Sean, Ryan Gosling, sets out to fulfill three goals. To play on a sports team, to see his name in lights, and to experience his first kiss. Plot or not? Plot. That's
1: a plot, bud! Yes. Did I just
2: answer plot for everything? Bonus! Ryan Gosling appeared on JonoVision. There you go. Look at that. I worked with oh, Fiona yeah. Reed from King Kensington. She's a babe, Dude, this and this is, is the person ever. This is uh, an
0: original promo poster for king of kensington and the part that was ripped off just says for free tickets call this number and Come i just on. found it in a vintage store yeah it's crazy it's like a crazy poster i I cherish it i have a great al waxman story for
2: you next time i talk to you
0: okay we'll do al wax we'll do waxman next time i i imagine it involves cagney and Lacey, so we'll look forward to that um but yeah great to talk to you my friend and great to uh talk to you, oh time. we got an al and letter kenny uh
2: men and i know it dick uh, yeah. how much fun do you have doing that bud so much fun um keith as you know is one of the great comedic minds and best actors in canada and great captain of the team and just lets everybody bring their best every day as does jacob Tierney, the director you've done the show um and it feels like yes. it has a swagger about it that tpb did in the early days you know
0: Right, exactly. And you're part of both of those things. And it, it, are there shows that you're allowed to not be in, in
2: this country at this point? I was never on Street Legal, the original or the Redux, but maybe next time I'll tell you the story about how John informed the Degrassi remake. True story and the I remember watching the Degrassi
0: reunion on your show and I remember you asking, why do I remember these weird things? I remember you asking the cast, how many of you are still acting? And I remember Pat Mastroianni sheepishly putting his hand up and I was like, why are you embarrassed to say that you're still acting? This is so Canadian. Because it's Canada. Yes, it's Canada. Sorry for
2: my success, bud. I know, it's just like,
3: what is wrong with you?
2: Anyway, listen, we oh, got to run, John. You're the best. You're the best. into someone in the grocery store today. She was like, hey, aren't you? What's his name? <laughs> Great moments in Canadianity. <laughs> Love you, buddy. Thanks for you, doing
0: buddy. this. All the best to the family.
2: Thanks for having me on.
0: All the best to that truck. All right, buddy, we got to run. Uh, that was a great podcast. Producer Tim uh, is uh, wondering where we are because we got to go do the TV show. stuff. did you have a good time on
2: this one? Awesome time.
0: Yeah, that was fun. John's the best. And John's the best, too. The Johns were great on this podcast. John
2: John show. The John
0: John show was great. Watch our television show on TSN at midnight Eastern, and uh, we will see you next week. <laughs>
2: to the Jay and Dan podcast
3: brought to you by our friends at McDonald's.